Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk, where the hills are indeed alive. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and... You brought Chunk back into the house. I had forgotten. I'm Carter, and I need to find another quote. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Carter, and only grown-up men are scared of Hunk. I am a grown-up man. And I'm very scared of Hunk. But I'm afraid of why you're the Hunk. Will you please tell us why? You might actually be afraid of why I'm the Hunk. uh, I'm just getting really excited, y'all. You know when the... Mid to late August comes around and Hard Knocks is on TV and, you know, the training camp vibe is in the air for for football means that there's also fantasy football. So my fantasy football drafts will be pretty soon. It's almost like a holiday. And so I'm pretty excited about that. I'm feeling kind of hunky. I feel like I'm ready for the season. What class are you for for fantasy football? What class did I choose? Cleric. Okay, good. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Chaotic neutral, because you really you never know what's gonna happen. Just yeah, kind of put I myself think, right in the middle. I think I would have gone bard just so that I can be the guy mm-hmm. who's like, Are you ready for some football? You know, what yeah, I mean? the bard. Do you mean Carrie Underwood? <laughs> yeah. That was my Carrie impression. Good job. That was a really good Carrie Underwood. It was crazy yeah, that I her dad, do- she takes over the role uh, of that, like from her dad. I love the lore there. Like Hank Williams Jr. Yeah. Who did it first? I thought you were about to say she becomes president after Frank and Claire Underwood are done being president. And I was like, <laughs> what is this crossover that we've created? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. The only other song I can do a really good Carrie Underwood impression on is the one where she's like, because I dug my keys <laughs> into the side. Uh, you know, and so wait. I think that's a... Wait. <laughs> that's you if, claimed that to be a good Carrie Underwood impersonation. That's if Jimmy Neutron's teacher was <laughs> Carrie Underwood. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Mrs. Fowl. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. And but also yeah, fantasy football underwear. season. I'm excited. You know, roll for initiative. Let's get this Let's get this party started. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. It's going to be a good time. Speaking of getting parties started, Ooh, yeah. uh, we are continuing our Choosical series with the fourth and second to last musical that you, the listener, has chosen. This week, that musical is... The, the sound, sound of, of music. music. And uh, I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to talk about this one. Doge, this is your first time watching this movie, right? Yeah, I've got it pulled up on my other screen, so it'll be kind of like a Just live commentary right <laughs> episode. Um, and before we really talk about it, I need to know more about it. And I need everybody to be on the same page with a synopsis. Brought to us courtesy of the incredibly talented Wicked Stuff. 
the wickedly talented Katie Pestles. The opening scene is quite long and obnoxious, but it shows us the Swiss Alps and the convent. Maria doesn't fit in as a nun. The others think she just needs to move on. Maria says goodbye, no more masses, becomes a nanny to seven little They try to trick her and treat her like dirt Until she makes them some dope pants and skirts Their dad, the captain, is mean, doesn't like her The kids learn to sing and to make matters worse Nazis are gaining more power each day But Captain Von Trapp says we'll run away There is romance, such great sea Julie Andrews is back This movie is one of my favorite things Except Reverend Mother's song Doge, I want to know what your impressions of this movie were before you watched it. So like, because I I would say The Sound of Music is like culturally present, right? And so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. um, You know... Having having never seen it before, what were your sort of impressions going into the movie before you even hit play? There are, I think, two two wells or pools that I was drawing from, okay. and one is substantially more embarrassing than the other. And we actually did get an uh, either an email or an Instagram DM of a listener who had the same experience with this movie. Tell me, it's as- the Pacifier starring Vin Diesel. The first thing. Uh, <laughs> Is that I realized a lot of songs are from this movie that I did not know were from this movie. Ooh. I knew like virtually every song that like yeah, All Star and exactly when <laughs> Julie Andrews was like somebody. I, I loved that. It was really good. Uh, no, there's a lot of songs in this that I did not realize were from this, and so that was cool to see those actually in context. But the second thing is from 2005, Smash Family hit the Pacifier yes. starring Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's how I was familiar with this oh movie. Oh my goodness! Uh, I haven't so seen happy. the pacifier. Though I did a little what digging, happened? little digging on that. There also uh, a movie about uh, a, a nanny. Sure thing. Vin Diesel becomes a a caretaker to this group of children. Their last name is the Plumbers, which is undoubtedly a reference to Christopher Plummer in this movie. And they uh, they put on a production of The Sound of, the music, Sound of music at the kids' high school. Yeah, isn't there a, a subplot where Vin Diesel's character thinks that the oldest son is like a neo-nazi because he finds like a nazi armband right or something and then finds out yeah. that he's auditioning to play rolf things that are played for jokes in 2005 that are a little close to home 15 years later <laughs> <laughs> but yeah th- that's that's my 80 two years prior for real that's my two observations about the sound of music one is the uh, enduring cultural presence of the great music, and the other is the enduring cultural influence of the 2005 film The Pacifier, starring Vincent Diesel. Yeah, I love the Freedom part where he's Wednesday. like, he's like, you are 16, go with God, 17. That's my favorite part of The Pacifier when he's like, when he's like, do a deal of deal, a dwap of golden sun. Which coincidentally was my favorite game. Every mountain. (laughs) We can't just do Vin impressions. That's that's our bread and butter, baby. That's actually very true. Now, um, I'm glad you brought up the music. I I do think (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I think it was gonna come up either way. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Why don't you let why don't you let me drive, okay? Um really worried we were going to talk about this and not get to talk about the songs yeah i'm glad that i'm glad that we're, we're we have an opportunity to finally talk about the music from this movie um this is a cool this is a, i'm feeling a, a cool a lot of supportive energy listen um, i wasn't I, sure we we're gonna have time for this but julie andrews is in this one and i really liked it jordan like to your credit per movie episode there are probably four to five transitions you have to make Meaning that you've made like 600 transitions in the history of two chunks. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes, every now and then, every now and then it's a little obvious. <laughs> but that's to say there's another 599 that that were perfect. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And guess what? The wool of a black sheep is just as warm as the wool of a white sheep. That's right. I'll try it again. <clears throat> Speaking of Vin Diesel, when I watch this movie, <laughs> I th- often listen to the music and uh, I want to talk about it. Doge, I think you're right. The The music from this movie, there's not like, to me at least, there's not like a most famous song. It feels right. like almost every song is culturally relevant in some yeah, way. Absolutely. Um, Rodgers and Hammerstein, and, man. Yep. And that that that's kind of what I want to talk about. I'm going to... I, I'm going to super pump right now um, because it, it was honestly hard for me to pick a super pump because there were several songs yeah. Yeah. that all vied for first place for me. I want My honorable mention song is Edelweiss. It is the best song in this movie. Dude, I um, had no so idea pretty. that that was not... And it's Lummer. a super common misconception that that is Austria's national anthem. But I thought that it's was not it, right. I knew that it wasn't their national anthem, but right. I thought that it was like a, a folk song. I had no idea that originated in this movie. I, I was reading about that and they compared it to uh, Hammerstein's work on the song Old Man River, which sounds like an actual spiritual. But like all of those, that's just stuff that he created and instantly nailed the yeah. tone of those centuries old right. songs. They, and, yeah, those two just seem so aware Yes, totally. And Edelweiss is, I would say, perfect. Like it is a perfect song. Yeah. But my my super pump for this movie has to go to um, Do Re Mi, the full sequence. Yeah. Yes, dude. Same. It is incredible. What a bop! I felt the same way. It is so good. It's so good in everything happened, like the cuts and transitions and like them bonding during that time. But what I want to focus on most. If we're talking about cuts and transitions, then that'll be my super pump as well. I think that is. Yeah. That's where it stands out the most to me. Anyway. Yeah. I don't want to hijack you. Well, my my main point is I think Do Re Mi shows off that this musical, more than maybe any we've watched except for La La Land so far, is like kind of a love story of music as well. Like... Do re mi, like the the uh, my favorite part of the whole thing is all of them on the stairs with the kids singing their parts as they jump to the stairs and she's Dude. singing up the scale yes. as she walks and like I don't know there's something so interesting about like <clears throat> yes it's a musical yes it's fun yes it's hugely famous but also in this moment like they're really using solfege in theory to like create these chords with each other and it's just really cool I don't know yeah. I, I don't know that we it's, I can pinpoint something else like that it's funny it's it's Interesting because I love how, and it's never really, yes, we do plan ahead, you know, uh, like full semesters and sometimes years ahead as to series that we're going to do, but it's interesting to kind of have some crossover in terms of ideas, but there is a connection to me, like of Chris Nolan movies and then what Rodgers and Hammerstein's music has done in Sound of Music in that with Christopher Nolan, we've talked about how he just takes concepts that would normally be pretty hard to understand and gives us gives them to us in a way that is super enjoyable. Sure, like yeah. it is really advanced. Do re mi, the parts and everything that they're having to do there, and when they're splitting back up, and not to even mention visually how they've basically turned the stairs into a keyboard, right? Like yeah, or a xylophone. Like I I thought it was just brilliant. And here's another interesting thing, you know, we keep talking to Doge about it being his first time. I know that that my infant eyes have seen this movie. I don't. I did not remember hardly anything. Oh, really? About the sound of music. So it felt like the first time I had seen it. And so for things like that, a lot of the times it gets kind of farcical for like Do Re Mi and Good Night and and all that kinds of stuff. Like you forget how like actually really good those songs are. I think they yeah. get dumbed down when they totally. get impersonated. Um, but in the OG, man. Yeah, I knew as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, this is my super pump. This is so yeah. good. Well, it feels so, so like ahead of, you think of you, its yes. time. You know what I mean? Like Mary Poppins was a year before this. And Mary Poppins, while it has aged well, uh, looks and feels like a product of its time. And this this sequence to me felt so much more modern than Mary Poppins, which was just a year before. Uh, and I think yeah. uh, this sequence is a good example of like in microcosm what my super pump is which is just the actual like the editing and cinematography of this the way that we frame uh the way that we frame people against these huge backdrops uh of the mountains and then Dude, even of the city super modern cinematography like weirdly mm-hmm. modern we're using quadrant based mm-hmm. cinematography which which is not something that we <clears throat> do a lot in the 60s like this is uh we're kind of ignoring i'm sure you've heard the rule of thirds right that you position right. your subject or their eyes along uh 
a grid, a, a three by three grid in your frame, but we're actually using a quadrant based grid. And so we have uh, the the scene I'm thinking of in particular is with the horse fountain. Whenever Maria's singing that first song, she's tiny in the bottom right corner. And then she right. just stays in that bottom right corner the whole time that we're framing the shot. And then we got to the next one. But it's like, yeah, just the, the whole thing, the actual assembly of the film is so good. Yeah. And Robert Wise as a director is so interesting to me because while he's done like Sound of Music and the West Side Story, he also did the Andromeda Strain and like Star Trek, the motion picture. And so he's like, he's not a one trick pony. He's, he's done a lot of stuff that, um, is, is just pretty good. I mean, he had like the body snatcher was one of the very first things that he did. So he's been all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. This doesn't feel, um, so I, we talked a little bit with Greatest Showman and I think maybe uh, a little bit with Mary Poppins about how like musicals frequently feel a little bit like a fever dream um, because there is something uncanny about like everyone knowing the songs and like singing together as though it's normal. Like there is something yeah. out there and strange. Um, somehow this movie, for the most part, it, so this movie does something interesting where a lot of times like the characters are actually singing. Like, yeah. It's saying like, let's sing this song together. <laughs> like yeah, that's a good point. Or like, watch these people sing the song. And so I think it avoid. It feels more like a movie than a fever dream. I, I, and I know that's yeah. flimsy, but like, you look at um, you look at like a Greatest Showman, and like in fiction, they're not singing these songs. That's how the the moments are being presented to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there, there's a little bit of that here, but a lot of times it's, hey, the Von Trapp kids are going to sing for us now. Everybody, yeah. pay attention. It's and the Von Trap Kids for sure that, right. that is more realistic. Right. It's somewhere between like a Star Was Born and The Greatest Showman, where it's like this is still a movie about characters who are singing, but sometimes they're singing because they're in a musical. You know what right. I mean? Like it's that yep. weird Venn diagram. Right. And it works, I think. Yeah. Very um, much. And it, it just makes it it makes it feel I don't know. There's something about when you're watching a movie and the world reacts the way you're reacting. Like when when Liesel scoots up on the uh, or not Lisa, when Gretel scoots up on the stairs and leans her head over and everybody is just kind of like, oh, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, that's how yeah. you should react. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Very good. What's interesting is Sean, uh, Sean Penn is who played Gretel, a very young Gretel. <laughs> that's crazy. That's nuts. Man. See, I was expecting wild. Kiefer Sutherland, but I have never seen this. So that's yeah. probably on me. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like, what are they talking about? Well, then you just got caught. You don't listen to Mini Monday. <laughs> Go um, back. There's plenty to talk about, which is why, obviously, I want to talk about the marionettes and how much I hate them. It's not my super dump. I just hate marionettes in every form always. Guys, that scene is my super dump. Because Wait, really? <laughs> why did we do that? Like, that never comes back. We don't see them really doing the puppet show as part of their act. Uh, That's your super dump? The kids are clearly like, that's the thing is like, that's pretty advanced marionetting. And I don't believe a six-year-old can do marionettery. that. Marionette, marionettists. They're not that gifted of marionettists. They're not very good Marie Antoinettes. But the other thing too, is that this is a song that they're definitely singing, right? Yeah. There mm-hmm. are no mm-hmm. instruments in the room with them. Right. So what do dad, uncle Max and the Baroness see whenever, what do they hear whenever they're looking at the puppet that's playing the tuba and the one that's playing the clarinet just silent clacking as they exactly <laughs> well there's one of the kids is probably like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah that just i don't know to me that's the scene where it's like that is interesting and then I, I enjoyed it while i watched it and then the further i got away from it i was like wait why did we spend the time doing that there's not I don't really feel as though there's a point to that. If I was editing this, I would have cut that to try and get this down from two hours and 55 minutes. That's if, if, if there's any comparison to Mary Poppins, that's our chalk. That's jumping into the chalk world just for a little bit. That's a slightly more realistic, but like, a, it felt like super the, the one point that was kind of like fantastical. I think most people that saw it as kids, that's something that stands out to them. Because yeah. It's just so fun. But yeah, in terms it's of not like, fun, it's horrific. I hate marionettes. You don't like marionettes? No. Never don't like them. You must have hated Pinocchio. Uh, the cartoon, the cartoon doesn't bother me. It's like a physical, real-looking marionette <clears throat> that freaks me out. I don't really. Like it. What about like puppets the, are interesting? Fine. What about like the, so like the puppets on on Mister Rogers' Neighborhood? Yo, yeah, no, don't like them. That freak, is wild. Freak really? me out very much. Like the King or whatever. King yeah, Friday. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. you're not into Ugh. it, huh? 
No, it, it 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 dips right into that uncanny, freaky part of my brain that like something primal comes on that makes me want to like look away. I don't like it. What about How Pinocchio from Shrek? Fine, totally fine. I think because you can see like wood grain on him and it's animated. It's something about like a real in my face physical marionette that is supposed to look like a caricature of a person that like I don't like. So Spy so Kids. So interesting. Those, those, they're not puppets in Spy Kids, but they're when they have their faces changed over by the clay stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then this isn't landing. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you identify? I'm just, I'm really stuck on this. Can you identify a, a point in which a puppet crosses the uncanny valley? Because I'm assuming with things like E.T. and things like yeah, that's Yoda. Fine. That's fine. Uh, the dog from Neverending Story. I'm assuming that stuff works for you. All Sesame Street, all Muppets, fine. <clears throat> sure. I feel like they're on the other side of that. Like, the so, cute side. Yeah. Well, they're so removed from reality. Right. But then you like, have something like E.T. where he looks like a real physical creature with like physical real creature, teeth. I don't think is what bothers me. It's the like almost grotesque caricature style marionette of people that freaks me out. Um, and I wasn't intending to get straight to your super dump or to have a long drawn out marionette conversation. I was intending <laughs> to jump off the top like a jellyfish and were Dory and Nemo and just say, hate the marionettes and scoot on. But I'm glad that we got to your super dump on accident. I mean, so, I didn't mean I didn't mean to out you as an anti marionettist. <laughs> I also actually I don't really care for that song too much either. So, yeah, the whole scene is just kind of throw away. The thing. It's a cute song. And like if they put that on YouTube as like, here's a scene we shot and cut. It wouldn't surprise me that it was cut. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I do want to talk about Maria, the song Maria. Um, this is such a long movie and we have a time constraint. We can't, uh, we're just going to be jumping around here. The song Maria, <clears throat> I want to talk about both times it comes up. <laughs> First of all, it's a great song. Yeah. Imagine walking into a room and finding several of your closest friends singing a song about how much you suck. <laughs> yes. And well, then, it's, it's, and then yeah. walking down the aisle at your wedding and your friends all showed up and were like, let's teach everybody this song about how much the bride sucks real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, I do love how it... We get some good character development totally the song. Yeah. Totally. So it's kind of like uh, she's polarizing. People love her and people also don't like her at all. Yeah. And I, so, yeah, I, I wonder if the song, if, I think it's great. I wonder if getting it back coming down the aisle, I'm sure it was meant to be creative regardless. It's a movie, but like uh, was kind of a, now everyone's in unison singing the good parts of yeah. there's something about Maria. I, you know? I'm almost certain that's it. And I think it's a great song and a just really Just put great your moment. own name in that it's just song so for a funny. second though. Right, how that's you, what I'm saying. How do you solve you a walk problem like a and you, Oh no. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You round a corner and a bunch of your friends are doo-wopping a song about how bad you are. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. Oh man. Um the the obvious, I mean our first character that we see, the first real impression of this movie is <clears throat> Julie Andrews. Um I know we sort of wax poetic about Julie Andrews in our Mary Poppins episode. But um, I just don't really know that I can say enough good stuff about her. Yeah. I think the stars aligned. I think she was an actress in the perfect time for her personality. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is a testament to these back-to-back iconic role. I mean, how you, could you have more iconic roles within the same year of production. She used to sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.com actors, and they thought that she just made it up for them because Mary Poppins hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> and so she would sing that. And, but for her to do that, and then, so she does get another Oscar nomination in like 1982 for Victor Victoria, but it just feels like she used the time that she had and the time that she was, because now when we see modern day Julie Andrews, uh, so even something like Princess Diaries, she's just playing Julie Andrews from the 60s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but the, it's such a, it's just perfect timing. She's so good for this. And I, I have a hot take. I didn't think this would happen, but I think I like her as Maria more than Mary Poppins. I think I do oh, too. I like for her sure. as Maria so much more than Mary Poppins. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that Mary Poppins is more iconic. It's probably not as big of a gap as I think it is. Well, she won an Oscar for that and not for this. Right. And and there's a yeah. lot more of, you know, people dressing as Mary Poppins. Like if you're like, who is that? Are you from like Portland? Like, no, no, no. I'm Maria <laughs> from Sound of Music. 
Well, it's and I like, think Mary Poppins has a more distinctive look, and I think oh, that yeah. helps well, stand sure. I mean, out. Maria's you know. just dressed like a freshman music business major, right? With her yep. guitar and her giant hat. Yep. <laughs> so many scenes, though. Like uh, she is. She also got to show off because she's not prim and proper. Like she got to yeah. show off like her personality. I think Doji had mentioned that yesterday on the Mini Monday episode, but specifically too, like the scene, the scene about confidence. That song. Oh, yes, so um, I love where that. she's just swinging that luggage and guitar around, and just she's kind of doing some stuff that we saw Dick Van Dyke do in a way in Mary Poppins yes. of kind of stumbling into choreography, uh, and she's just really charming, really good at it. And I I think she gets to do something here that she doesn't do in Mary Poppins. I mean, she does several things here, but she she does indignant very well. Like she she is very mm-hmm. good at like uh, like being frustrated with a moment and sort of like, like retreating within, like after Captain Von Trapp tells off the kids for being out of bed during the thunderstorm. And she just gets so frustrated and sits in that chair. That's just a side of Julie Andrews that we, I mean, just have it being fresh off of Mary Poppins. That's not even in the lexicon for Mary Poppins. Like it's not even close. And so seeing her so different there is interesting, right? I mean, mm -hmm. she nails it. Yeah. I think while both, uh, Mary and Maria, which is kind of funny how close their names That's are. That's really interesting. Um, while, one might even say the same them, name in different languages. This, yes. Uh, while they're both uh, really like strong female characters, um, independent in their own ways, it feels like Maria stands out more because of what she's up against. I think her relationship, the, her character fleshes out a lot more. And the whole point of Mary Poppins is she needs to be kind of mysterious. Right. But for Maria to, to be... Uh, you know, sharing the screen so much with Captain Von Trapp and seeing like the the conversation with the whistle. She's like, I'm not going to be whistled at. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, that. Yeah. from the start. Right. right. <laughs> There's like a job at stake and stuff. And she's like, no, this is not going to happen. I think the I, difference, I really enjoy that. the difference for me lands completely in the fact that Maria feels like a person I could talk to. She yeah. feels like a real, a real, like fully rounded person. And I guess, well, I mean, the was. closest, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the closest comparison I could think of for Mary Poppins is something like Godzilla or E.T., where it's just like you are this immutable, unchangeable force. We we discussed this. Yeah. And Mary Poppins that is force, an eldritch abomination. Sure. She's yeah. a Maiar from Middle Earth. But like that's the difference to me is that yeah. Julie Andrews gets to play a person here. Totally. Um, and what, so I did actually read a lot of the trivia for this one this time. And by far, not even close, my favorite trivia for this movie is uh, an interview after this came out somebody interviewed the real Maria Von Trapp and asked her, was the movie accurate? Were you that bad at being a nun? And she laughed out loud and said, I was so much worse. (laughs) And I think that's great. That's great. And I think that is, you know, this is a, this story is really, really big. I mean, you've got the family and the kids, you've got what's at stake relationally, but then you have literally lives at stake at the hands of, um, the, the Nazis, uh, I mean, I guess invading, but really shutting the borders of Austria and kind of taking mm-hmm. over. I mean, that's a, that's a big stake, but, uh, really this movie is about Maria. I mean, it's about the kids. It's about Captain Von Trapp, but this is about kind of Maria's journey and how she interweaves here. And, um, you have to, I think be to stand out in a movie with singing children, fancy parties, and literal Nazis, you have to be something special. And when that movie is based on a true story about a real family, it kind of requires the real person to be special a little bit. And so I just think it's really fun that we get this. I don't know. And maybe I'm romanticizing something that never existed or reading in too much, but I I just love the idea of Julie Andrews. And I think it's probably, I think I mentioned my sister, loves Julie Andrews. And I think this is her favorite movie of all time. Um, Mm. And it just, it makes sense to me. Like Julie Andrews is powerful just as a presence, but also as Maria, like it feels like she's just in, she's confused, right. And scared, but it never feels like she's not in control of herself and like what she wants to do. Um, And I just seems to be the most for the time, maybe at times. Yeah. She feels Julie Andrews feels in, in this and in Mary Poppins, I think you're exactly right, Carter. This, like, 1964, 1965, these two years, it feels like she 
kind of reached the status of like a like a Robin Williams or like a even like a Leonard Nimoy of just like what you do is so uniquely you that there will never be another one of these. Yeah. 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 And I feel like with Julie Andrews, it doesn't stand out as much. Yeah. Right. You have to really be looking for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's definitely there. Uh, I'm tired of not talking about how much a young uh, Christopher Plummer looks just like Michael Fassbender. It really, I, Jordan, you had sent that out. Yeah. You had texted that out and I was, it was a relief. It's like when you have the song stuck in your head and you can't remember the name of it or who did it. And then someone comes in and does it for you. Like I, that made me sleep better. Like that was a big deal. <laughs> Dude, it is freaky. And I'm not the only person that has thought that. I Googled Christopher, Christopher Plummer M. I typed in the letter M and it was Christopher Plummer, Michael Fassbender. Like, yeah. Google knew already. It was like, oh yeah, you and everybody else. He's this, Christopher Plummer is so interesting in this to me because he, yes, looks like Michael Fassbender. I also can see shades of James McAvoy, of Ewan McGregor, and of John Hamm in him in this as well. John Hamm. Interesting. I hadn't but thought about that. He like, he's got this weird like mid-century allure to him where I'm confident that he smells like oil and knows how to fix an airplane. Mm. <laughs> but also that he smells like pipe tobacco and yeah, like and a freshly al- pressed robe. Yeah. What he actually smelled like on set was alcohol. Right. He yeah. Reading about Chris Plummer during this, it's kind of a he bummer. hated making this movie. I, it's like, it doesn't ruin it for me, but I'm like, dude, what? At least he does play kind of a curmudgeon type character. Yeah. But he was just, I think at one point in one interview, he said it felt like every day he was getting hit over the head with a big Valentine's Day card. <laughs> like, he, I think he just didn't like how lovey it was. And, <laughs> and I get it. Like, Plummer is, Plummer shines when he's, you know, Grim. Talking to Nazis in this movie and yeah, basically totally. defending his family. Like he's he's perfect for that. Uh, and it's good to have such a big actor like that because we do get a lot from him. I think it was Doge, your super dump maybe in Mary Poppins that uh, Banks, Mr. Banks, like his story was not so hot. Like the, the fact that like his growth, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't Either remember. you super dumped it or just didn't like it. I remember like talking it. about it. With Captain Von Trapp, there is a little bit that you can actually understand why he's the way he is. Like he's, he's running his seven children like it's military because that's the only experience that he had outside of being a father. And so, and while it, it does feel like uh, there is a little bit of a point to where all of a sudden he can like hear his children singing, it, like music has this magic for him. And then he kind of flips right yeah. there. So while it does feel a little bit harsh that he goes from like... So I'm actually glad it's that sudden. I was thinking yeah, that when I, I was watching was cool. that I would have been annoyed if like it it took him longer. You know, I love the fact that he is this because I, I saw, you know, a man who lost somebody he cared about. And what did he want? He wanted control again. Like he felt like life was out mm-hmm. of control. And what gives him control? Order, order and discipline. Yeah. And that's how he ran his house. And then he hears music again for real music, his children loving music. And I love that. That's all it took, that it wasn't some yeah. big, I like that. It wasn't some big, like I failed you. It was like, it was just like, Oh nope, this is better. Yep, yeah. And with, is better. with all the, with all the big like set pieces and plot points and stuff, it's easy to forget that. I think a lot of the heart of this movie is the power of music on people totally, yeah. and the influence of music. I mean, the, yeah, even the sound, the sound of music. Of music. Yeah. 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 I think I would have liked so. it if that was set up a little bit more, though. Which because, part? like, the and and the power of music. Been, no, it may have been dialogue that I, the power of love. Actually, Huey Lewis. I oh, wish that was in this movie. Me too. Um, Every movie. One of my prized possessions Dion, is, uh, is an extended DJ cut of that on vinyl. That's a seven and a half minute long version of that song. Jeez, it's wonderful. Anyway, um, no, and it may have been in the line of dialogue that I missed, but the whole uh, you've returned music to this house, I didn't, I guess I didn't know that it was there and ever left. You know I what I mean? I think they said like, something about that. I, th- I want to say the they sense, said mother used to th- sing a lot. The children say we don't know how to sing. That's true. Right? That's so a Mary's, good point. Mary's teaching knew, them how to sing. They knew how to Mary. dance. Maria's teaching them how to sing. But I wonder... They they could dance, but... I wonder if it would have been better... Uh, if there was a little bit more of a lock on that, if, you know, he said uh, the children used to sing with their mother and that's why I'm telling the governesses to keep them from singing, to keep them in line because the children have to move on from their mother just like I've done. 
And if Mary's able to say, that's no way to live, you, you know, you've got to sing and you've got to feel your emotions and, that, and not Mary. Gosh, I keep calling her Mary. Maria. Maria. I mean, it's Mary and some, some. Yeah. But if there's like a little bit more of a lock on that, if that's a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and far be it from me in the year 2020 to say, actually, I know how to make the sound of music better, but <laughs> I, I just wonder if, if it might've been a little more palatable for me if that happened. That's the podcast though, right? I, I guess mean, so. I guess so. And, uh, you know, many things go into a podcast, including the first half and also the middle, which is where we are now. And it's uh, it's time to head on over to Shout Announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements. It's the part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements. Was that my friend Jordan or was that one of the Nazis cars from the end of this movie? We'll never <laughs> was, know. I, I, can, I won't tell. Um, I, I have sinned. <laughs> That's a great moment. They're holding the heads of Nazis in that scene. <laughs> it's not parts of the car. It's inglorious bastards. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, man, we have something great that is, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, just as satisfying as uh, breaking Nazi cars. And it is subscribing to our Patreon. It's just as morally Patreon. necessary, I think. <laughs> it is subscribing to our Patreon. If you become a patron of our show, you get access to special pages of the website, but most importantly, you get bonus votes in any of our polls and bonus content that is for your ears only as a patron. Mm-hmm. It's a special feed with episodes that come out uh, that only you get to listen to. Uh, we've talked about uh, a goofy movie. We did Parasite. We've done uh, sort of a fun games workshop. There's there's all kinds of uh, variety there, uh, things that are only for patrons, and you get all of that juicy good content for the low, low price of $3 a month for the rest of your life. It's hey, JB, what's, what's coming this month? What's oh. coming for this series on Patreon? I'll tell you. It's a it's a doozy. And uh, we would be crazy to throw away our shot on this one because we are going to review Disney's release of the stage performance of Hamilton. It is uh, it's a big one, folks. It's going to be cool. And that's for patrons only. Don't even think about it. For patrons only. <laughs> Am I next? Yes. Great, because I want to talk about Katie. Uh, Katie Peslis, who has been a part of this podcast, we're going to get her back, and I've missed her. We're going to get her back like in the flesh, uh, talking Les Mis with us next week, and talk about a a finale to a musical series. This one feels pretty perfect, but we'll be talking about Les Mis with her. Please continue to go check out her content. She really is dishing out stuff every day, whether that's via her Instagram story uh, on Katie Peslis. So that's K-A-T-I-E-P-E-S-L-I-S, Katie Peslis on Instagram. Uh, and she gets a lot of really talented friends to come join her and sing sometimes too. Not to mention her cute little uh, golden retriever Finn. I'm here for Finn. Uh, Finn yeah. is the number one attraction for me. There's a it's lot. There's a lot of good Listen, Finn content. Katie, too. you're great, but I love your dog. It's the dog <laughs> for sure. So please go check out Katie Pestless. Give her a follow on Instagram, uh, and then anticipate uh, next week, which will be a great finale to our series. Next week we're going to bring her home, and you don't want to mm. miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing you're not going to want to lay miss is our next series coming up. You may have noticed if you're listening very closely to the episodes of this series of our Nolan series, we have little clues, little hints <laughs> sprinkled throughout, almost as if we are a blue dog leaving paw prints on things we want you to notice. <laughs> yeah, blues clues. But our next series, we're not talking about Blue's Clues. We're going to be talking about uh, some mystery movies. And we're excited to unveil a new series called Mr. E. And mm-hmm. who is you might, Mr. E? You might be wondering to yourself, who is Mr. E? And what films will he bring the pod boys? Well, dear listeners, that is a mystery. <laughs> you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, we're going to get back to the episode in just a second, but I'm coming to you now solo uh, because we goofed pretty hard when we were recording this episode and we forgot to we forgot to read out Katie's super pumps and super dumps. She texted them to us, and I think we each said something to the effect of, yeah, Katie, we'll definitely read these on air. Thanks for sending these. We appreciate your collaboration, your hard work on this, and we all three forgot to do it. So we're coming to you now to let you know that Katie's super dump for The Sound of Music is the end of I Am 16 Going on 17. When Liesl goes, we... Uh, she says, is one of the worst moments in musical history. The entire thing is so overplayed that it makes her seem like a nine-year-old. And Katie's super pump comes immediately after that. It's the scene in Maria's bedroom during the thunderstorm. Uh, Katie says, that scene perfectly sums up who Maria was. She not only changes the lives of those children, but she is honest and talented and kind. And the scene changes the game with her relationship with the entire family. And I absolutely love that part. Katie, thank you so much for sending in your super pump and your super dump. Listeners, we hope you're enjoying the episode. And now I'm going to stop this very uncomfortable solo recording. And we're going to get back to hearing the three of us talk about The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music, my super dump for this movie Mm -hmm. is, and this is tough, for Jordan, this movie is about 40 minutes too long. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard because it, it's really piecemeal. The things that I feel like need to come out. And I mean, how do you say, yeah, I'd love to trim down the sound of music, but that's exactly what I'm saying. I think the whole marionette scene can go. I think there are a lot of like long lingering moments that could be trimmed down pretty significantly and still get the point across. Um, but yeah, it just, it feels to me like we, and, and I understand like it's set up like a stage play with an intermission and everything. And I, I get it. Um, but just as far as like what's keeping this movie from being perfect is that it's not quite tight enough to me. Like it, it just, yeah. it, it just overstays just a hair. And if we could trim even, even 30 minutes off of this movie, I think it instantly becomes this really tight, great story and musical not that it isn't that already but it just feels you know even watching it and it's not that like i don't just mean like cut 30 minutes off of the end because there's great stuff everywhere that's why you'd have to go pick your poison yeah, in different kind moments. of nickel and dime it yeah but but it just it it is so long and i just i feel like you could secretly trim 30 minutes and nobody would miss it <laughs> i feel the same way i mean it's tricky though right because it was a stage production before this Right? Or was it after I this? thought it was a movie first, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think it was a, a play first. It was a musical first. Okay. Like a like a like on a stage? Yep. See, I Rodgers th- and Hammerstein did not write this for the movie. They wrote it for the music. See, gotcha. I think it hits differently if I'm hearing this live. I'm like in a venue with a lot of people. I have a really, really weak thirteen dollar drink in my hand. But <laughs> I think I'm I'm more willing to sit if it feels like an event, but like and I guess probably that's a product of watching it in a modern context, right? Because if you go mm, to the yeah. theater, it still feels more like an event than me. You know, I have on my sleep shorts and I put this on on the couch while I'm under a blanket. It's like, well, that's a little too long, but that's really not where this was designed to be consumed. 
Yeah. And it, it, it's hard because my issue is not with three hour movies. There are a lot of three hour movies that I really love. It's just that I, I don't think this one needed to be that, you know, right. like <clears throat> I'll, I'll watch any movie as long as it makes great use of its full runtime. I, I just feel like this one could have shaved 30 minutes. No problem. Is there anything specific can you can think of besides the marionettes? Um, the marionettes, I think that we don't need a like four minute opening credits to the movie. Like I think we could have started to establish some things early. Um, I think that there are things like um, there are some some long um, some long pensive stairs maybe that could have been about thirty seconds shorter here and <laughs> there, um, and, and specifically interactions like. Um, I love the tension of Captain Von Trapp confronting Rolf in the graveyard, but like, did we need to watch the Nazis search every gate and look behind every headstone? Like, it just feels like there are moments like that where it's like, we get what's happening here and we don't have to watch them rattle every gate in a row, shine the flashlight, watch the family react, step to the next gate, rattle the gate, shine the flashlight, watch the family react, step to the, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... it builds I think if tension. I was tasked with editing this and getting it to like a 215 type of situation, my my next temptation after cutting the marionettes would be to try to go after some of the 16 going on 17 relationship. Sure. Because I just like, it's good. It's iconic. I just, if we're trying to get this down, I don't know that we super duper need that in the movie for the rest of the movie to make sense. I love it's that great. he's the it's one great. that confronts them in the graveyard. It's great, but it's a you know, D like, plot at best. You know what I mean? There's A plots, B sure. plots, C plots before it. Yeah. I think it's necessary to know the Baroness's motivations, but I don't think we need to have too much time with them talking about it. So that's some of the stuff that I would cut. I, I would even say that the Baroness almost feels pointless. Let's, and get, her, I, let's get her out of here. I, I, cut her. I agree, except I think the way to fix it is to do... So in the original stage play, I guess... She, their difference of opinion is that she is not that she's a Nazi sympathizer, but she is kind of like roll over and take it. And Captain yeah. Von Trapp is like, no way. And that's what breaks them apart. It is not he he's already in love with Maria, but that's, that's point B to their breakup. Yeah. And I think that if, if we stuck to that, then we don't have to have all of the in and out interaction, jealousy stuff. And we can just go straight to that conversation and just yeah. cut out some fluff that, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think... Because you don't have to love triangle it. <clears throat> right. Because that was that was among the weakest things for me. That was almost my super dump, is that that the Baroness hatches this whole plan to be like, oh, I'm going to convince Maria to leave. And then the second Maria comes back, the Baroness is like, well, I guess she's one. I better <laughs> save my pride and dump him instead. Right. Right. It's like, it's like I'm going to get her to leave because the, the captain's mine. And then Maria comes back and she's like, honestly, well played. See you later. <laughs> I never <laughs> would have expected <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that whole thing does feel pretty weak. And I, I and I just don't think she's that interesting. I think Max is far more interesting. Um and yeah. actually, can we talk about Max for a second? Does he Please. is part of his plan the whole time to I obviously I know that it's not to help them escape necessarily, but is part of his plan to try like to, it seems like he knows what's coming with the Nazis. Does it is part of his plan to set the Von Trapp family up for success as far as like, if I make them more important locally, then they will be safer. Or does, is that just a happy accident at the end? I don't know. It felt more like an accident. Yeah. To me, I don't know. I don't know that I see that throughout the, the duration of the movie. It, maybe it's the curse of knowledge and knowing what happens eventually, but watching it, I couldn't help but notice like it, is his motivation strictly, I want to make money from the Von Trapp kids or, you know, there were moments where it was like, it really seems like, like maybe he's having to come to grips with what he should act actually be using that platform for, which is like an escape instead of making money off of them. I or don't even know. not escape so much as like, I don't know. I'm reading into it, I think. But there were moments where I was like, does he is he trying to make sure that it's like the Nazis can't touch the Von Traps without upsetting the local population? Like, is he trying to make it to where they are a little more untouchable if they don't make it out? Yeah. That, that's just kind of what I was yeah, thinking. I don't know. Can we talk about them making it out? Can we talk about the escape right now? Yeah. Can we do that? Uh, uh, something that happens before that. So it's actually before Maria actually goes back to the Von Trapp. She's, she's 
with the nuns again. We get a really good song, Climb Every oh Mountain. Oh my gosh. But my super dump is the way that was shot. And we talked about how creative this director is and that we do like a lot of the shots and that they're not just like your basic like, okay, here's where all the action is. Let's put it right here. But our, I mean, our singer was in literally in the dark the whole time. Did anybody notice yeah, that? I know why. She wasn't. Is it too? She wasn't singing. She she is a singer, but couldn't carry that because she was too old. And so she's actually lip syncing this. They had her start the shot turned around because she could never nail like the beginning of the track that they were playing on set for her to so lip-sync even lip syncing. She couldn't do it. Right. Because there's not like a and start in three, two, one. She just kind of had to feel the music and hit that. So she starts turned around and then we keep her in shadow because she just couldn't quite nail the lip syncing of it. Interesting, because I know that Plummer ended up being dubbed as well, yeah, yeah. but he was like trying to sing it there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't like the way that was done. I think there was a better way to do it because this is such an epic song. So like this is yeah. like if if it was like, OK, and and uh, you're going to do uh, you you're you have a dream right in Les Mis, but we're going to put you behind this armoire <laughs> and. That's okay, right. but it, it's this is. I, some people would even argue that "Climb Every Mountain," which again, that that is our closing credit song when they're literally yeah. climbing the mountain. Like this is supposed to be a big deal. I just completely lose it because all you look at, and I get like reframing things because you know, J- dang Julie Andrews did a dang good job of like not doing a single thing, but looking like she's listening and learning. Yeah. Right, yeah. that's good acting yeah. to keep that on during all of this, but. It was just, I think it was a bad choice for me. It took me out of it and it's not supposed to. I was so, so bored during that. Well, let's... Yeah, let, to where almost every other song is emotive in some way. This one, which was supposed to be the most, it feels like. I'm not, I'm not, it's not moving the scales at all. I told Jess it felt like, uh, it felt like a special music or something after a church service that one <laughs> right? of the old choir ladies had been begging to sing and all I want to do is leave and go to On the Border. <laughs> Yeah. So my my, the my spicy climb every mountain take is that so Edelweiss is my favorite song of this musical. I think it's perfect, um, but uh, I think climb every mountain is probably the best song. But this is the wrong person to sing it. Like yep. she just doesn't have it. Like she's got and and I know this is mean and she can't help it that she's an older woman, but she has she has old lady voice. And this, this song isn't her singing been, though. Well, whoever they chose yeah. has old lady voice, and this song should have been blasted by like a full power. I mean, this song is beautiful. Like a Kelly Clarkson, a right. Pink, that kind of a thing. Um, this this actress had an a Academy Award nomination. As an actress, I think she's great. I don't think she's Academy Award nomination no, great. In this. I don't that either. Shocking. Well, the 60s were a different time, but... I think <laughs> like you're about to cry. I just feel like this song. That's my grandma. <laughs> I, I think this song you leave could the 60s have alive. been so much more, Carter. I think I agree with you. Like it, yeah. it just yep. it's a swing and a miss on the actual performance. Uh, the song itself is out of the park, but the performance in the movie of Climb Every Mountain is swinging. They, they had something had happened either they at the Academy Awards. It would have made more sense for the Academy Awards, but either it was a Sound of Music, uh, like anniversary, big anniversary, or Rodgers and Hammerstein. But the song that they chose, uh, no, I think it was Rodgers and Hammerstein, but the song that they chose of all their songs was Climb Every Mountain to like bring all these people out that had done these before. So it's meant, to, I mean, this is, yeah, meant to be such a oh, big Oh, the deal. song is a and certified I'm myself, banger. Yeah, it just yeah, doesn't land yeah, in the right. movie. Yeah. The Shadows was strange. Yeah, the whole thing is wonky. Doge, you wanted to talk about their escape from Austria. While we're talking about things that don't land for me, I don't love that their plan is to just walk off the stage. Like, how was there not somebody at the exits? You know what I mean? That that to me felt a little bit like, that took me out of it a little bit where it's like, oh, they yeah. couldn't walk out the door after the show was over. But if they walk out during the show, the Nazis will yeah. never expect that. It's like we've got the Nazis trapped. Exactly. Yeah, it's um I think and it does feel like the only reason they did that is to be able to do the song again to say exactly. goodbye. Yeah. Like, oh, that's clever. Okay, we're working in the song. Um cuz the kids actually do a good job of they look completely different. They look more tense in this version of it than actually yes. going to bed. <laughs> but this one's when they're trying to save their own lives. Um 
but yeah, I, I think it was, so in real life, they just take a train and get out. And the, the day, day before, after yeah. they've escaped Aust- Austria is when the border had, had closed. Yeah. So they just make it. Yeah. Well, they were, they were too far, I guess, in real life from the Swiss border to actually walk that distance. Like there's no way they could have just marched over the Alps basically. Right. But I guess singing ride every train isn't as good as climb every mountain. <laughs> ride every train. <laughs> but sung by train. Yes. Perfect. Hey, 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 Von Trapp, sister. <laughs> did that did that seem weird to y'all? Or is yeah. that something that just me with my big boy eyes watching this for the first no, time? No, my interpretation has always been they went like they were the final act and probably could have stayed on stage to wait for awards. And they went back to where the other acts were waiting so they could escape. That was always my interpretation. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just to give you that final song. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm all for any reason to really just stick it to Nazis kind of in any way, um, both, <laughs> both historically and modern day. But um, yeah, it, it does feel a little goofy here yeah. to like, that that sneak away just feels like a stretch. Maybe I think is a good way of putting it. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a musical. What if we just explain away everything we don't like? Give everything a perfect I mean, score because like it's a musical though. So I mean, like I guess it's but perfect. It's a um, I if I may, one of the other things I want to talk about real quick before we sort of wind this down is the wedding. What <laughs> royal family do they belong to? Because that wedding is. Bananas. Two observations. Number one, I can't believe they got the real Pope for that. Number two, I, <laughs> I was, I have, there is nothing to indicate that this is not the very next day. Right. And I think that there should be at least something to indicate this is at least a day after their first kiss in the gazebo. Because yeah. we've already seen her make seven entire outfits out of curtains. So I completely believe that Maria could have gone and found some white curtains and made them into a wedding dress for her. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. after they finished kissing in the gazebo, this just feels almost Hallmarkian in how quickly this happens. Yeah, that's true. Hey, real quick. I know you were joking about the Pope. That really is. I'm pretty sure the real archbishop of Austria at the time. Really? Yeah. Also from the princess bride too. It's the same guy. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Just watching it, I was like, man, what a wedding scene. Like, this is like the coronation in the king's speech, but it's this wedding for the Von Trapps. Like, just outrageous. Yeah, because I guess he's not like nobility. He's not no. like a baron or a duke or something. He's a general from the Navy. He's a captain. I mean, they did. It was kind of a dump for me. They They did kind of send a slew of Nazis to make sure that he would join the army. Like... He's a big deal, I guess. We've, we've spent we've spent a lot of manpower on this guy, so maybe he's the dude, you know? Like maybe he's it. And, and I will say, Carter, you're absolutely right. Christopher Plummer shines in the final thirty minutes of this movie, like when he finally gets to step up and like out wise guy the Nazis and like sneak his family away and confront Rolf. I think that is when Christopher Plummer really comes alive in this movie, and mm-hmm. is kind of for the first time maybe it's like. I get why you cast him over someone else. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's time. What if this had been Dick Van Dyke? And they were just like, well, it worked in Mary Poppins. Let's just do it again here. (laughs) Oh, it's a good time to run away from Nazis. Idle voice. Idle (laughs) voice. (laughs) Baroness, I don't love you no more. I don't. (laughs) It's time to rate this movie, and we're going to do that using science, the scientific cinema scale to be exact. It's created in-house in our very own labs, and it's perfect, and as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy Buy that that poster. poster. The next best thing, that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. I wasn't a part of it. Just give us a quick one right now. God's forsaken us. I'll go first, actually. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. All right, Eminem. <laughs> what a good <laughs> joke. Um, I was between two ratings. 
and I am going to buy the poster for this movie actually. Um, and it's, it's weird. I, I, tr- I tend to not do this so much. Um, but this time just sheer significance is swaying me a lot. Um, I was leaning more towards buy because I do think it's too long and, um, it's, it's, but I don't know. Watching it yesterday, this movie is impressive and really, really good. Um, and then just combine that with like the cultural significance of these songs. I, I'm buying the poster and would proudly hang it on a wall. This is a, this is a really, really incredible movie. Yeah, by both of my buy the posters for Dang Julie Andrews have so much to do with Dang Julie Andrews. Totally. And this one is much more of a, I think this would have been a natural by the poster for me. Uh, Mary Poppins ended up being a by the poster because of how iconic the character of Mary Poppins was. But then what you get with this movie, I think I like the sound of music more than Mary Poppins. I definitely do. As, as movies, because this is a better movie to me than Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, uh, while we think she might not be a better nanny, is a, is a more iconic character. Uh, but I think having the combination of dang Julie Andrews and Chris Plummer, though he hated his life, uh, and the setting and the songs, um, this is not what I expected. You know, I, I didn't remember a lot about this movie, but I was just really honestly super impressed with this. I think a lot of the time sound of music gets, uh, put away into a category of like campy maybe, um, because of how much, as we said, it's been made fun of, or there's been. Uh, you know, I can't help but think of Stewie from Family Guy doing the good night uh, in their house, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. They become famous um, that it kind of gets done to death. But the movie in itself as a whole is just really good. So I'm also going to buy the poster. Uh, and that is not what I was expecting going into this. I had never seen this until now. And I was really anticipating kind of a uh, kind of a it's a wonderful life, kind of a like a Ben-Hur Ten Commandments less problematic well, the stuff that doesn't age as well right yeah i was expecting like something that was like oh your your grandfather and i loved watching this movie so you're gonna love it too and it was just like i mean i guess if your only other option was to watch the news i guess this was good but uh it really is good it really really holds up carter for all the same reasons you just said uh that's exactly what i was gonna say is that i think this is way better of a movie than mary poppins but even just actually watching it like i watched it on disney plus and it Looked to be like a 4K master of this. Like it was gorgeous. Colors yeah, were gorgeous. Shots really were gorgeous. Version. I would yeah. buy this poster and then try and get my hands on like a 4K copy of it. Uh, yeah. Which I'm sure that comment is going to age well in about five years when <laughs> 8K comes out. Uh, Chunkies, please don't forget to rate and review. I can guarantee that uh, maybe half of those that follow us on Instagram. Uh, have reviewed us and the other half have not. Mm-mm-mm. Uh so join 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 the majority. Come on over and that that is there is hardly anything uh, as influential for the success of our podcast and for the discoverability of this podcast uh, than for you to go and rate and review. It really takes no time. If you go back and listen to our Mary Poppins episode with Katie who will be here next week, uh she actually does it during shout announcements to prove the fact that it takes maybe 30 seconds. So please take some time to do that. Uh, and it would be a huge, huge help. Boys, I have a question for you before we end today's episode. Okay. Do you know what lame is? Lame is not listening to our lame is episode next nice. week yeah. with our good friend, Very Katie good. Pestilis. She's going to be back yeah. and she, I'm making a bold prediction. She'll be better than ever. Uh, while we talk about our experience watching lame is a movie that I have not ever seen. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Yeah. That's next week though. Check it out. Dude, I'm shocked how many of these you hadn't seen. You'd never seen La La Land, Greatest Showman, Mary Poppins. <laughs> just all, everyone, every movie that we watch for this podcast first is time. my first time. Doge is an infant. Oh, to see the world through his eyes. To end today's episode, I'd like for us each to say our name and uh, which Mary Poppins scenario we would like to drop the Von Trapp children into. Uh, I... For two chunks and a hunk, by the way, am Jordan Wonders. And I would like to not drop, but float the Von Trapp children up to the ceiling with Uncle Albert and allow them to have a midair tea party for the ages. <laughs> I'm Doge, and I'm going to paint you a picture. 
with You're in chocolate. a bank. Mm-hmm. Turn of the century London. I'm there. In walk seven people, all with masks. And Snow White. This is... Wow. This is Von Trapment, and mm. it's a robbery. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Catherine Zeta-Jones, is she there? Yes. Playing every role, dipping, actually. Dipping beneath lasers. Dipping beneath the lasers. Um, I'm Carter, and I couldn't help, even when watching Mary Poppins' this most recent watch, as we're sitting on the, the steps of St. Peter's, feeding the birds at Tuppence a bag, that what an opportunity with these gorgeous steps to get those Von Trapp kids back. And in a, in a yes, it's going to change the vibe of the song completely. But just to have them kind of hopping around, it's like feed the oh, birds, toppings a bag, like and just like jumping up and down, maybe even jumping on some of the the bird feed. <laughs> I think it's chaotic, but I think it's I think it's something that we would need during that time. I think that changes the course of of music. What great. if the bird lady is feeding the Von Trapp kids? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really makes you think. Mm-hmm. Wow, it certainly does. People aren't willing to go there enough. I I appreciate your courage. Did you know that most vitamin D three supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.